0: This is Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI in Business Podcast. This is where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. If you want to influence AI strategy and identify high ROI AI projects, but you are not going to be writing the Python yourself, you found yourself in the right place. And what you might be thinking here in the right place is... Wait a second, an episode on Wednesday, this is not usual. And you're correct to say that this isn't usual because we're starting a new series. This series is called AI is Here, sponsored by SambaNova. We've been given the latitude to find excellent AI experts across industries and ask them two critical questions. Number one, where is AI hitting the ground running today in your industry? Where is it already making an impact? What are the places where it is really adding value today? And number two, what does that mean for the future? What do we need to do to adapt? What do we need to do to move forward? And what is this new paradigm we're moving into? And we're kicking off with the energy sector and not just any energy firm, one of the largest energy firms in the world, one that you might have, uh heard of once or twice called Shell. We've never had Shell on the program, and so this is a great excuse to be able to bring them on. And we're not just talking to anyone at Shell, we're talking to Dan Jevons. Dan went to school at Oxford, spent a bit of time at Accenture, and has spent the last nearly 17 years at Shell. He was last the general manager of data science, and he is now the VP computational science Digital Innovation and IT CTO. In this episode, Dan talks about leveraging AI to simulate the operations of an energy firm in order to achieve better business and sustainability outcomes. How can we take all the myriad factors of what kind of fuels are moving where, what kind of energies are moving to what kind of places, and determine the best way to route and leverage all of those resources, again, to achieve our goals for the bottom line and also our goals for the planet. Companies are being increasingly held accountable to their impact on the planet, and Dan also also helps to paint a picture of the world we're headed into, a world of a much more distributed energy ecosystem and a world where the environment is even more paramount for energy firms. And I think he does a fantastic job of connecting the dots between where AI is currently making an impact at Shell and in the energy space and how that impact needs to be developed, needs to be cultivated by the energy space to basically prepare for the world that we're walking into, again, that distributed energy future. Even if you're not in the energy space, I think that the topic of really figuring out where AI is making a dent in energy today should be fascinating, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Again, the special episode of AI Is Here is brought to you by SambaNova Systems. SambaNova believes that AI is here, and we've partnered with them to bring you AI trends and impacts affecting different industries today. And again, we're starting with energy. So we'll talk a little bit more about Samba Nova in the outro. But without further ado, let's roll in on this new series. This is Dan Jevons of Shell here on the AI and Business podcast. So Daniel, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Yes, great to have you. And we're uh, speaking today about the energy space, a space that you're up close and personal with. And opening with, uh, what for you are really the most consequential applications and trends? We're much farther along in energy and AI than we were half a decade ago for you. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the big picture and then some of those use cases that matter today.
1: Yeah, fantastic. And and look, I think, let me start by saying, I think the use of AI in energy is probably one of the most important areas, uh, in my opinion, uh, in the coming few years. And that's really because uh, the need for energy transition has never been more pressing. Uh, I think we all recognize that we have to transform the energy system as quick as we can to a lower carbon future. Uh, And that's what makes my job so exciting. You know, I really enjoy being part of uh, trying to do that using digital technologies and AI. Um, But maybe just to to come to your question, I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think there are three core areas of application where we can see a real impact that AI can have in in helping to accelerate energy transition. I think the the first one uh, is really around making existing processes more effective and efficient. Um, As you'll probably be aware, you know, something like 37% of global CO2 emissions uh, comes from heavy industrial processes. And we've seen huge impact in those sorts of processes by applying AI. And and really what that means is uh, leveraging AI to to optimize uh, processes like liquefied natural gas trains and reduce the emissions associated with that. We've seen one example recently where we've uh, been able to reduce the CO2 impact from the process by as much as 130 kilotons every year, which is the equivalent of taking about 57,000 European vehicles off the road uh, when the process is running at full capacity. And the way that that works is that uh, effectively by looking at the process end to end and taking all of the data that we've had associated with that process, you can find new ways of optimizing it and and really extend the operating envelope to then identify mechanisms through which you can lower the CO2 footprint. So it's a great example of the sort of thing I'm talking about. But then just to unpack two two further areas real quick, I think... I, I think the you know beyond that we also see huge benefits from leveraging AI to design the next generation of the energy system. So not just the, the immediate system that we have today, but also uh, the future system. Things like hydrogen plants or biofuels, AI can help us to design and build these things in much faster times by helping us to optimise the design. And then, of course, as we move into the future and these things start to become reality, which is happening very quickly, by the way, uh, when you think about the future energy system, it's inherently going to be more complex and more distributed and more diverse. And as we look at that sort of system, uh, moving away from today's energy system, which is currently very heavily centralised, the only way that can be really operated at scale is by leveraging digital technology and AI in order to to optimize, and also to ensure that it's it's maintainable and manageable.
0: Yeah, then there's a ton there in that future vision that we are going to unpack. The second part of this whole interview is going to be around what the leaders need to know and where is this taking us. As you had mentioned, leveraging AI and energy is pretty darn critical for the planet as a whole. Uh, and so we are going to get much farther into uh, what that distributed and decentralized Sort of future looks like and how we can move closer to it. I want to dial in on some of what you opened with and some of these concrete use cases. You know, you mentioned even before we started rolling here that um, being able to improve, you know, the efficiency of existing processes is one way to make a difference. You talked about one concrete use case that you folks are using now with Shell. You know, there's a lot in the future we can look forward to, but obviously there's a lot that's boots on the ground right now. You talked about one good example. Um, talk a little bit about, I guess, that use case. What is it that is in use today? What, what What did you do? What kind of data was used to train? What kind of processes were influenced in order to make that difference? Because I think a lot of people don't realize, hey, this stuff is here now.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And I, and I think, I mean, maybe to sort of walk you through kind of the architecture we've put in place, which is probably the simplest way to to look at it. Sure. Um one of the things that we've been building up over uh, a number of years is we've developed an integrated uh, time series management system where we pull in the telemetry, if you will, from air. Uh, Every part of the organization, that's you know, temperatures, volumes, pressures, and so on, and integrate that into centralized systems. The challenge has been those things have been locked away, locked away at the site. What we're now starting to do is to uh, really aggregate those uh, those data sets in the cloud and also give them context, which link them to the engineering work process. So we developed a Delta Lake, um, which is a, a lake house architecture, as your listeners okay. will probably be quite aware. And we've effectively integrated that in the cloud into something that is queryable and can be used for machine learning. And that's a very powerful data set. It's to give you figures, it's about 2.7 trillion rows of data today. Ouch. Um, and so it's, it's a huge data asset that we can use to develop machine learning across multiple business processes. And we're using that for a, a range of different things, um, all of which have an impact on uh, sustainability and, and energy transition. So we're using that for things like predictive maintenance, which, of course, is very helpful. Oh, yeah. It can stop things breaking. It can stop uh, you know, emissions happening before they happen, those sorts of things. And we're also using it for things like inspection, again, critical use cases, trying to identify uh, potential issues that might lead to leaks early. And then, of course, we're, we're using it for optimization type use cases like the one that I I... That I outlined. And we bring all that together in our remote surveillance centers where we look at the work processes and we try and uh, intervene proactively to ensure that we optimize and, and also that we identify where things are about to go wrong. So that's a, kind of the, the overview of how we've put that together. Um, in terms of the specifics of this case, w- what we saw was that in particular um, within our liquefied natural gas business, we run a whole raft of these very, quite standardized, I guess, um, types of equipment, which we call LNG trains, which effectively take gas at the one end and produce liquid at the other end, which is actually critical right now, as you, you, many of your listeners will be aware, that actually these are the this is the way in which we transport gas around the world to deal with some of the, the challenges in the supply, uh, as we've experienced recently. And so this these assets are very, very important. They're even more important now than they were previously. Um, and so what we're trying to do is make sure that we optimise those as best we possibly can. And of course, as we do that to minimize the CO2 impact. And, and so what we're trying to do effectively is we developed a software application that runs in the cloud, which can take that the process information continually in real time and can push it through a series of optimization algorithms, which can identify new set points, which can then be provided back to the operators, which allow the plant to operate at more uh, optimal conditions, which then reduces the associated CO2 impact.
0: Got it. And so it, it, if I'm hearing you correctly on on one level, I mean, you're talking about building this, uh, lack of better terms, layman's terms here, gigantic data lake of various and sundry data sources. One of its many uses here is sort of simulating under which different conditions could we have better sustainability outcomes in terms of how we're running our equipment, uh, uh, how different pieces of equipment or processes are performing. Am I picking up what you're putting down, Dan? Is there a way you would nutshell it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I think you put it quite well. I, I think the um, for, for a start, what we're trying to do is bring together all the measurements that we have across our business globally. That's the easiest way to describe the data lake. And then the contextual information that supports that. So where did this measurement come from? Which piece of equipment? Uh, where was it tagged to? Uh, all of those sorts of things. Uh, we're also then using that data to drive a set of algorithms which can identify more optimal conditions for the running of that particular aspect of the process. And and obviously at the moment we're doing that unit by unit. So as I mentioned, things like liquefied natural gas trains, but the potential goes way beyond that because you can really apply the same principle pretty much anywhere. So whether it's a liquefied natural gas train, or whether it's a refinery or an upstream facility or whether it's a wind farm, actually you can start to apply these sorts of technologies to really change the way in which you operate. And as I said, also do that from remote operation centers, which just have more time because they're less bothered by operational uh, issues.
0: All right, great. So this gives us a strong understanding of how today's data is waking up and and being used in a productive sense. And and Daniel, before I get into the future, uh, there's a bit of an analogy here. We talked to a number of folks in the telco space as well who are looking at similar kinds of simulations, looking at data points of the flow of data across all their various and sundry nodes and the different activity of all their customers and all of their facilities and determining, are there better, faster ways to route all of this in terms of energy efficiency, in terms of customer experience? It sounds like the same big picture, almost digital twinning of our total systems is what you're already leveraging in the energy space in some way, shape or form today. And It it feels like this is kind of where the future is headed. Let me know if you would put it in the same nutshell uh, as I just did there
1: yeah I think it's a great analogy and it's very similar um, I, I mean I think the you know w- the way to look at this in the in the best way is that um there are sort of a number of core data sets that we have to bring together to understand the energy system that we operate today. The first is the measurement data, as I mentioned. Um, the second is also then uh, the the configuration of the, the plants and the equipment. Um, and the third is really the, the, the visual uh, information about what is there, what is physically installed in that space. Um, And then, of course, you have the transactional information, things like the maintenance histories and and work orders and those sorts of things. And if you can bring all of that together into an integrated picture, you can actually develop a fairly rich uh, baseline from which you can start to simulate and you can start to develop AI solutions to develop more optimum uh, conditions in in which to operate the facilities. And so that's a very powerful capability. And indeed, we're rolling that out at the moment across our asset base. Um, We're currently there in about, um, uh, Four assets, and, and that's growing very quickly. So, um, we're accelerating the deployment of that um, uh, in, in parallel. So, we're deploying both digital twins and AI across our business. The AI is actually a bit further along, we're around in 23 globally. But the the vision is to get towards a picture where we can really twin our energy operations connected to an AI platform, which can allow us to start to change the way in which we operate the energy system that we're responsible for.
0: Yeah, and so, okay, so this this puts us in a pretty cool spot to talk about the future, because um, this whole series, AI is here, is about what is going on now and which we've got a pretty crisp picture on and where this is taking us i mean you're talking about rolling this out this is obviously a process it's a real transformation process shell is a massive global corporation when you think about that future that is more decentralized distributed um i'd love to get your picture of what that decentralized, distributed future kind of is, just to make it more crisp for listeners, some of whom may not be in the energy sector, by the way, they may be in all kinds of other sectors, uh, and, and in all kinds of other geographies. And then, and then, if you could connect the dots of this waking up of data to improve simulations, predictive maintenance, etc., where does it fit into connecting us to that bigger picture? Where does it fit us into the paradigm we're shifting into? So, would you mind with kind of describing this decentralized world we're walking into?
1: For sure, no, I, and I and I think. Um, for those that aren't unaware, I think what, what's important to recognise is just how quickly the energy system is changing and is going to have to change uh, in the coming period. You know, we've seen huge accelerations. Um, in renewable power, which many of your listeners will have seen and be aware of, um, but also in other areas like, for example, biofuels, um, also uh, in the development of hydrogen, green hydrogen in particular. And so these kind of uh, new energy assets are being developed all over the place at the moment. And that's really because of this drive, um, both from governments and from corporations, to really reduce the CO2 footprint um, that, that they are responsible for. And it's difficult, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, of course. But but at the same time it's it's happening and it's happening now and it's happening actually much more quickly than people realize but I think what's also important to understand about energy in general is that it's actually quite a centralized system as it operates today. So um, we have these you know, very, very large facilities which generate a large amount of the hydrocarbons that we need, um, things like offshore platforms, for example. Uh, we, also, we, we then have associated with those these centralized refinery assets, which generate the vast majority of uh, the fuels that we use and the chemicals that we, we, we leverage each day in, in our plastics and so on. And so all of these different uh, if you like ways of producing energy are actually relatively simple from a network perspective today um, and by the way it's also true in the power sector where where a lot of these things uh, come through power plants so the, the point is that this centralized system as you introduce these new assets into that system so uh, the hydrogen electrolyzers or the renewable plants the whole system becomes inherently much more complicated and also more variable so um, you know a, a, particularly in the renewable space as your listeners will understand um the the wind doesn't blow all the time and the sun doesn't shine and so you have variable exactly yeah you have variable load coming onto the grid um and you need ways of dealing with that which then introduces energy storage so you need to have batteries which adds to the complexity uh, of the whole system and so you know if you think about that system um It's quite exciting because it's changing very quickly. It's very data rich because all of these things produce a a vast amount of data, as I've always already spoken about with some of the data aggregation that we're doing. But I think the the other key element is that the only way in which you can start to deal with some of that variability uh, and some of that complexity is actually by getting very... um, integrated in the way that you look at the network. So you need to look at now, not just the refinery, but the emerging energy and chemicals park, which also produces biofuels and also produces hydrogen. You may also have remote operating assets, which are closer to the feedstock, which are starting to produce biofuels in location, in situ. And so understanding that supply and demand, that what the market needs, uh, how you service a customer, how you can start to give a customer a more diverse set of energy products, all of those things are gonna be dependent upon a a much better grasp of data. And of course, the optimization of that system, which is what we're gonna be all about because we're also gonna have to be able to track the CO2 footprint of that in real time. And that's gonna require a very data rich environment. And so, for me, what that means is going back to where I started, lots of the things that we're developing in terms of predictive maintenance, understanding when things are gonna go wrong, identifying how we inspect these sorts of things, and of course, how we optimize this entire system in real time. And then as an extension of that, the digital twin technology that we talked about, being able to bring all that together and to run it from remote operations center, for me, that's what the future is gonna look like uh, if you're gonna be successful in operating an energy system this complex. And so. Again, just to kind of, again, bring it back to where we started. AI is going to be an absolutely fundamental capability for the energy system that, that I believe is emerging very quickly.
0: Yeah. So if, if I'm connecting the dots properly in the shortest number of words, and I appreciate the, the richness that you've provided, I want to see if the listeners, if I'm picking up the same insights the listeners should pick up, which is that there is a uh, imperative to improve efficiencies and improve operations today for, you know, our, our sustainability goals and even our, our business objectives. I mean, we don't want to waste time or money just in general never mind saving the environment. I mean, Both are both are quite important. So it's an imperative need today. But there's also the uh, requirement of improved nimbleness, that is to say access to data, leveraging of data, being able to take fast action with data. We need to develop those capacities because we're about to be ma- uh, managing a much more complex web of assets than we are currently. And so we better get those exercise reps in now because we need to be strong enough for this future we're headed towards. Is, is uh, Would you add anything to that? Yeah,
1: I, I think you put it brilliantly.
0: I think the other thing is, as
1: as a digital and AI professional working in this space, it's deeply exciting because many of the things that we're developing now for the existing energy system are very transferable. And I think that's what's so powerful about it. If we build this right, uh, it can actually serve us well through the transition. But but getting those digital foundations in place is fundamental to operate what we see coming. Yeah. Um, I'll say one other thing, which just a little build on, on what I've said so far, uh, which is we can't do it on our own. Um, and that's another part of the complexity here. Um, in order to operate this sort of system we need to look at this as part of an ecosystem because nobody's going to own the energy system end to end it's going to be an inherently complex web of uh, different nodes and edges um and as a result we're going to have to find ways of partnering in new ways with customers uh with regulators with governments um and also uh, you know in new ways with with other companies um and again that's very exciting but i think it, and it creates opportunity for us to work together
0: yeah i mean there you folks have already, I imagine, are working with AI technology vendors, with uh, uh, various and sundry services and consulting-oriented firms, hiring all kinds of new talent. I imagine it's only increasing collaboration in a ton of ways in that regard.
1: Yeah, spot on. I mean, we've we've brought this together under a banner internally, which is really a change program because what, what we've been describing here is a technology shift that requires a cultural change. Yes. And so we've put together we've put together something which we call the Shell AI program internally. Um, it started off with a network. Uh, the network's now uh, north of five thousand people in terms of people that are actively engaged in this and thinking about how AI can impact their work yeah. processes in the energy sector. Um, but it, but indeed we've been developing internal capability. We've now got uh, you know over four hundred folks who would call themselves professional data scientists, computational scientists or, or AI engineers. Um, and so, but but more than that, we're also partnering with a number of companies and typically the partnerships quite interesting because, you know, with a company like Microsoft, for example, uh, it actually becomes very bi-directional. So just to unpack that a bit, if you think about what they have, they have some fantastic technology in their cloud-based systems, which we can leverage to help accelerate some of the, the data technology I talked about. So we run our our lake house on on, uh, Microsoft Azure and, and on the Azure Databricks product and the Delta Lake that comes with that. Um, And then at the same time, though, what we're also doing is we're also providing them with renewable power for their data centers. And so those kind of collaborations become very interesting and and also create a whole raft of new innovation opportunities.
0: Yeah. And and so I think, well, there's two things I want to put a pin in there as we wrap up this interview, which I think are really important. These are sort of bonus insights on top of the AI is here. Topic one is you talked about the conscious effort within Shell to create an internal network, create a true and initiative that is about uh, fostering collaboration and fostering education and making the cultural change come to life. In my opinion, that's certainly farther along than most enterprises are and I think something our listeners should tune into. Uh, and um, uh, in, Number two, it sounds like you guys have thought very openly as you've built out that internal network about how you can expand your capability with various partners and what it means to, to get to the vision that you have in mind. Sometimes it means innovative and cool collaborations. It's not just let's hire great data scientists and build it. It's it's thinking even outside of that box. So uh, I, I hope our listeners write both of those down. And otherwise, Daniel, I know we're up on time, but I sincerely appreciate you being able to share your insights around the present and the future of AI and energy. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Thanks for having me. Great conversation.
0: So that's all for this special ai is here episode in the ai and business podcast i appreciate you tuning in for this first of the series we will have a number of other episodes in future wednesdays covering all kinds of other sectors again we've partnered with samba nova to bring this series to you and they've given us a wide leeway to interview different experts from different industries and to ask the questions that we thought would be most impactful for determining where ai is here now so Uh, Thanks to them for being able to support this series, and thanks to you for tuning in all the way to the end of this episode. If you're interested in learning more about SambaNova, you can go to SambaNova.com slash AI-is-here, or just type into Google SambaNova AI is here. You'll find the same page, and you can learn more about them. That's all for this episode. Again, thanks for being with us. I look forward to catching you in the next one here on the AI and Business Podcast.